If you have thyroid eye disease and you can't get any shut eye because you can't shut your eyes, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of Florida's picturesque Treasure Coast and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast directories. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, we've had another night of riot, looting, and arson in Minneapolis, uh, one of our great cities. And the police there and the firefighters and the National Guard have been told to stand down and allow the rioters to run rampant in that city. And this this uh, has the real potential to destroy Minneapolis. It could become uh, another Detroit. Detroit was the most prosperous big city in America until the race riots in the, uh, in the late 60s. And, uh, and it became a, a basket case. And that is what we are witnessing, what's uh, unfolding before our eyes right there in Minneapolis. The city has been taken over politically by uh, weak left-wing uh, leadership. It's become another one of these uh, social justice warrior havens like uh, Portland, Oregon, or San Francisco, or uh, Seattle, Washington, all of which uh, stand the real chance of uh, just becoming another basket case. So, you know, I stand firmly with the police department. I don't stand with that police officer that uh, was responsible for for the death of George Floyd. He was obviously engaged in police misconduct. He knew better than what he was doing, and yet he was... um, he was playing out his sadistic tendencies on on that suspect who had been uh, taken to the ground, handcuffed behind his back, was easily be uh, able to have been arrested. Uh, but if you watch that video, it is sickening as uh, the police officer keeps his knee on uh, George Floyd's neck uh, while George Floyd is uh, protesting that he can't breathe and begging for uh, for mercy and uh, and you know this has been a failure of leadership uh, both by the police officer and by the uh, district attorney in Hennepin County who has yet to make an arrest when he's got uh, a video evidence that uh, that this was a, uh, a at the very least a wrongful death. So uh, now the you know the the mayor comes out and instead of demanding order in the streets 
uh, joins in with the social justice warriors in, in order to uh, to justify and uh, try to rationalize looting, rioting, and arson. And the images coming out of Minneapolis are truly stark. You don't have just so isolated arsons at this point. They, in fact, burned down uh, the, uh, the, I think it's the third police precinct last night. They've set fire to others. I, I think those fires uh, were were put out before uh, the the precinct burned entirely down. But that that is a real signal. When you allow rioters in a city to burn down a police precinct and, and you order the evacuation of the police, of basically the retreat of the police, and you're basically turning over the city to the forces of chaos and anarchy. And these riots were incited largely by the mainstream media who instead of trying to draw a clear delineation between uh, the police misconduct and the uh, riot that took place, commingled them and and made the case that one justified the other and was the direct cause of it. These rioters out there, I promise you, they don't, they don't, they're not rioting, they're not looting, they're not burning things down because they're mad about. George Floyd, they're they're burning uh, and looting because the police have been forced to retreat, or they haven't been forced to retreat. They've been um, ordered to stand down by the cowardly and cynical politicians. And once that happens, uh, you you have unleashed the forces of chaos in this country. Uh, Police officers are, are about one in every 500 in the population. The way that they keep order is, uh, is by uh, constantly being vigilant. But if you, if you create a void and you allow these lawless forces to uh, run rampant, then, uh, then you have lost control, and it is very difficult to regain once it, once it happens. Uh, Big Pharma Steve, uh, Mojo Five O listener, um, ask me, you know, uh, what's my take on this? And I have been in riots. I, I was, uh, fighting fires, uh, during the Rodney King riots that, uh, visited Atlanta. And I've been, uh, been caught in, uh, several other riots and many riots regarded to, uh, racial incidents in Atlanta. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, short of just an overwhelming show of force, once these riots uh, are allowed to start, uh, it is very difficult to get control. Uh, and then it becomes the law of the jungle, every man to himself. I've been fighting fires and had uh, rocks, um, you know, thrown at me and our our uh, fire apparatus, our fire trucks vandalized and, uh, and our hoses cut. Uh, because you see these, you know, and, and why would you do that against firefighters? They're not mad at the police. They're mad at the world. Uh, they've been convinced that somehow um, the world is responsible for their lot in life uh, because they don't want to take responsibility for themselves. There was an interesting clip last night uh, of on MSNBC with a- Ali Velchi from the scene, and he was standing... Um, in a, a square uh, that included the third police precinct in Minneapolis. 
and there were about four or five major fires going on. There were no firefighters who had been withdrawn. There were no police. They had basically just turned the city over to the uh, to the mob. And Ali Velchi, standing in the middle of all this, uh, could not stop himself for making the case for the peaceful protesters. Off. Uh, Ali Velshi is back at his location. Both of our correspondents are kind of around the same uh, corner. Ali, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so there's, uh, yeah, Morgan and I are sort of crisscrossing each other. The liquor store fire he was talking about was over that way. This is the other liquor store uh, and the smoke shop behind me. And there's the uh, the police station fire over there. A lot of activity now. It's become uh, sort of the center of activity in front of the police station. The crowd has now moved over there. Uh, at, at this point, there uh, that seems to be the center of what's going on. Uh, let me just give you a sense of it. What Morgan said was interesting. For most of the day today, it looked a lot calmer than yesterday looked. And that's what happened yesterday. It, it, it picked up later in the evening. The crowds gathered here. And, and the standoff with the police looked very different last night. Police had lined up. There were no barricades outside the police station. Police had lined up around it and were preventing protesters from getting close. Then they put up, overnight, they put up uh, fences and barricades so that people couldn't get there. And that's what broke through. So it caused a new center of focus for the protesters, the idea that they would then uh, they would then try and take that police station from the police. And again, we were very surprised to find out that there were police actually in that building, but there were. There were out five police who came out. They had their weapons with them that uh, fired the, uh, the, the gas canisters, and it dispersed the crowd, which then came this way and started this activity and a fire that occurred uh, be- over. The fire occurred. This activity is how he describes one fire, and he describes another fire as the fire occurred. There. So, again, there are fires, as, as you mentioned at the top of the show, there are at least four fires that I can see. And that's just in this uh, small radius that Morgan and I are in. Uh, obviously, some of them are very active. This one is now, as you can see, very obviously spread to the, uh, the buildings on either side of it, the liquor store. It's going to burn the whole block, dummy. And the shop to the left. But... There's no ability, and I just think we have to we have to remember this. The National Guard has been activated. Uh, they are not here. The police are not here. The police have been evacuated. The fire engines can't get in here. There is no ability to bring anybody in here to solve this problem. So I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. Now, catch what he says next. He's standing in the middle of a raging inferno. There's fires burning all around him. They're, uh, they're being totally uh, allowed uh, to rage out of control, and they will, uh, before it's over with, claim the whole block that they sit on, um, people's you know, businesses and lifetime uh, efforts are being destroyed, and here's his commentary on it. Just can't get in here. There is no ability to bring anybody in here to solve this problem. So I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. <laughs> this is mostly a protest, says Ali Velchi. Generally speaking, it's not unruly. While the city is burned and looted around him, these people are too dumb for words. 
This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. But fires have been started, and and there is a crowd that is relishing that. There is a deep sense of grievance and complaint here. A deep sense of grievance and complaint. Well, you don't express your deep sense of grievance and complaint by burning innocent people's property. There, there are uh, processes already set up to address this. And this Hennepin County uh, district attorney who is waffling on the arrest of the police officer uh, is, is, um, is playing right into their hands because by the time he gets around to arresting this, this guy, they will have already burned and looted major portions of the city. And, uh, and then, you know, they'll exhaust themselves. He'll make the arrest and uh, then they'll make the connection. Well, the, the arsons, and the looting stopped because the DA finally made an arrest when there, there is no actual connection there. They will have just exhausted themselves after viewing that video. There was no reason to not to move forward with an arrest. I've got a clip here. This is Don Lamont over at CNN who is, uh, is culpable in this by continuing to, uh, to characterize the, the uh, arsonists and the looters and the rioters as protesters. And he's on the phone with the fire chief in Minneapolis, uh, pointing out that the police precinct is on fire. There was evacuated and then protest. You never evacuate a police precinct. You absolutely, if there was any job for the national guard, it would be set up a perimeter around that police precinct and protect the the lawful uh the law abiding citizens uh in, um symbol of law and order evacuated and then protesters made their way in and set fire to the building talk to me about what's happening you know Don, with the latest information um that i have i was i was a few blocks away at another fire so i didn't i haven't had a chance to catch up on all the details on the uh, precinct building but i am aware that there are fires uh, right across the street from that that the third precinct uh, building. I do know that they were trying to set fire on the uh, on the front door area of that building. I do not know that they've gained access to that structure as of yet. Well, the fire chief doesn't even know what's going on. Uh, he, I guess he's too busy giving interviews over the phone, uh, uh, trying to uh, make a connection between the grievance and the rioting. And a lot of this, have no doubt about it, is is being uh, driven and fueled by these uh, forces of uh, Black Lives Matter who have uh, pushed this narrative that uh, blacks are being targeted. Uh, they are not. They, uh, the truth of the matter is a police uh, misconduct uh, affects all groups, uh, black and white. Uh, but by focusing only on, you know, the issues that are uh, interracial, well, not interracial because of black police officers uh, uh, often target whites. Uh, the media shows no interest in that. Uh, but by by focusing almost exclusively on white police officers' misconduct toward black suspects, they've given this image that they are cultivating that, uh, you know, these are racial issues. But uh, Andy No, who is uh, a, a journalist who has chronicled 
the, uh, the violent nature of Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter was on with Michelle Malkin describing exactly what's going on in Minneapolis. High law and order forces. I think it's both. The organization that I saw happen in real time on social media, uh, because the, the riots lasted for hours and hours, and law enforcement responded a little bit in the beginning. The firefighters responded to the fire at the auto store, but they were attacked with rocks, and then it seems like after that, uh, there, it looks like there was some type of stand down because there was just no response at all as buildings were being torched left and right for the next uh, 12 hours or so. Um, I think that the clearest evidence of uh, Antifa's presence there, in addition to the the black bloc uniforms that they wear and the tactics of bringing bats and other weapons to destroy windows and cars and, and businesses, is that you see them tagging their slogans, which um, if people aren't familiar with them, they, they may miss it. I mean, these are dog whistles, you know, numbers like, 1312, which stands for ACAB, all cops are bastards, uh, mm. you know, all kill all pigs. A lot of these really extremist anti-police sentiment is coming from uh, the Antifa extremists. And then looking at some prominent Antifa accounts on Twitter, of course, they started crowdfunding a jail bond, a jail um, bail uh fund for any of uh, their comrades that may have been arrested. As far as I know, there weren't any arrests last night. The city just let rioters uh, have their space to destroy. And uh, Yeah, safe space for the rioters. Uh- safe space for the rioters, no safe space for the law-abiding. The key to these riots is you have to, as uh as Barney Fife used to say, nip it in the bud. Uh, the first uh, time you see a looter, you have to deal with them uh, quickly and forcefully. Uh, there used to be an old saying that was very effective. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Uh, they didn't do that. So they just turned over uh, and and the rest of the uh, riot-prone crowd saw that and they uh, they joined in on the looting and then you know, when the first arson is not uh, dealt with uh, forcefully, they uh, they go on to burn down the city. I've got a clip here. This is the mayor of Minneapolis who should be demanding calm and demanding order and uh, engaging in an overwhelming show of force in the streets to retake the streets. Uh, but no, he's spending his time on the on his social justice agenda and uh and trying to uh, identify and uh and justify the rioters identify with and justify the rioters i saw was wrong at every level being black in america should not be a death sentence for five minutes being black in america is not a death sentence uh, uh police also engage in misconduct. The, the uh, majority of people killed every year uh, by police are in fight. In fact, white suspects. But uh, this uh, the social justice warrior mayor that they've put in in Minneapolis, who has totally failed the city, uh, is is going to uh, is going to throw in and identify with the uh, with the social justice grievance and uh, sacrifice his city to the mob. For five minutes, 
we watched as a white officer. A white officer. It's just as often a black officer engaged in, in this kind of activity. Pressed his knee into the neck of a black man for five minutes. It serves as a clear reminder of just how far we have to go. To the black community, to the family, I'm so sorry. Well, that's great. I hope he feels better. I hope this is, uh, is getting at his, his sense of white grievance or white privilege, I should say. But it's doing nothing to protect his city. What he should be doing is demanding uh, the arrest of the officer and demanding that the uh, the rioters also, um, or the protesters also stop rioting and looting and, and committing arson. So like I said, I have been in riots. There are no logic to it. Once the order breaks down, uh, there's no controlling it uh, short of, you know, uh, a massive overwhelming force. I was in the Rodney King riots in Atlanta where they were burning, uh, you know, the area around uh, the Atlanta University Center. They were burning their own neighborhoods. We went in there to try to uh, to extinguish the fires, and we were attacked. Uh, we continued to try to do our job, but uh, what really restored order at one at some some point was armed citizens protecting their property. And uh, for a long time, um, you know, race riots in Atlanta were not unusual. Anytime uh, there was any uh, spark, it became a fire um, from race riots because uh, you have a, a big, uh, they call themselves civil rights community, uh, ready at a moment's notice to jump on this. And, uh, you know, we were often um, the target of these rioters as firefighters uh, who, you know, the rest of the time we were trying to save their lives and property. But uh, because uh, order had broken down, they, uh, they viewed us as, as uh, representatives of the state. And, uh, and at some point, uh, you know, when the police withdrawal and the fire protection withdrawals and all, uh, all law enforcement breaks down, you have to be prepared to defend yourself, and that is the one of the big reasons for the Second Amendment. Over at MSNBC, Joy Reid tried to draw a contrast between the rioters and the looters and the arsonists, and uh, and those peaceful protesters to the uh, to the lockdowns who showed up at these protests exercising their Second Amendment. Him. And in this subject of Mr. Floyd, he was not treated as a citizen. You wonder if, you know, there had been a white person and there had been a 911 call that they'd passed a $20 bill. Would that person be dead? Likely not. Right? Well, she, she, she doesn't know that. He may very well have been dead. We don't know at this point if this was racially motivated. We, we do know that there was some uh, prior uh, acquaintance between the victim and the police officer. Right. If the police had showed up on Mr. Cooper, he would probably, you know, be in great risk. We'll just put it that way. And we've just seen this over and over and over again, whether it's Trayvon Martin, whether it's Ahmaud Arbery, where there she goes. Trayvon Martin, Trayvon Martin sucker punched uh, a man, George Zimmerman, and was banging his head against the pavement. That is not what happened here. uh, uh, George Zimmerman defended himself as he is perfectly allowed to do. 
In the case of Armand Arbery, he tried to uh, take a firearm, a shotgun, away from a guy who was lawfully carrying it, which resulted in his own death. Because once a, a struggle ensues over a firearm, then that is a struggle for life and death. Regular people say, you know, I can act as the police. I can pursue you. I can chase you, even if you're a kid. And then I can say you're the one who's dangerous. And I can say I have a right to kill you and just do it and just do whatever I want to you. That is racial incitement right there, right there on MSNBC. You won't see Twitter censoring her. You know, the Breonna Taylor situation. You can be in your bed. You are not you are a subject, not a citizen. And that's how a lot that is how black people feel, right? Well, that is black, how black people feel, because people like Joy Reid on uh, on television have told them that that's how they should feel. And now they're continuing to justify this riot in Minneapolis. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at this uh, latest executive order from Donald Trump trying to crack down on social media. Look at this, uh, these vote by mail schemes that the Democrats are trying to put into place right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. I hope you'll join us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So I'm going to say it again. Uh, the rioters are, and the, the looters and the arsonists are a force that exists constantly in this country. We've got a large underclass that constantly feels aggrieved. Their uh, grievance is massaged and cultivated by the forces of the mainstream media. CNN and MSNBC are on 24 hours a day justifying and rationalizing uh, their violent actions. Um, every night on all of the networks, the, the three networks come on and draw a connection between, uh, you know, uh, police misconduct, which affects, uh, black, white, brown, yellow, and red in this country. And it, it is a small, small subset of, uh, the actual police work that goes on in this country, but they, 
uh, highlight that and magnify it. And they, uh, they make it a cause celeb instead of standing with the police and, uh, and then condemning uh, those few instances where there is police misconduct. They smear uh, the entire blue line. That is all that really stands between us and these forces of anarchy and chaos. And CNN and MSNBC have been particularly uh, guilty for inciting this violence. Of course, CNN famously uh, whipped Ferguson, Missouri into a riot and burned down the entire city with their, uh, their irresponsible coverage. If they were, you know, they, they like to talk about uh, kicking people off of social media for inciting violence. That's exactly what CNN and MSNBC do. Every bit as much as uh, these Nazis and Klansmen uh, incite violence on social media, MSNBC and CNN do that themselves. If, if they were anybody other than a left-wing outfit, they would be thrown off of social media. And uh, if you, if you want to see a good example of that, you can see uh, the president, um, in response to the rioting in Minneapolis, on Twitter said, I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city. A total lack of leadership, and that there certainly is from all quarters in Minneapolis and Hennepin County. Either the very weak, radical left mayor, Jacob Fry, get his act together and bring the city under control, or I will send in the National Guard to get the job done right. You need to go ahead and do that because uh, there's no indication that this uh, Jacob Fry is going to try to get his city under control. He's going to allow it to become the next Detroit. And then Trump went on uh, to uh, uh, to continue his tweet. And Twitter hid the second part of his tweet with a, a message that you had to click on that said, this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. So you click on that and you get to click through to the second part of the president's tweet that says these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. And I won't let that happen. Just spoke with Governor Tim Waltz and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty and we will assume control. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. And that's what Twitter determined was glorifying violence. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. That is absolutely how you maintain order. You don't have to shoot to kill. You don't have to shoot with uh, deadly projectiles. You can shoot with uh, rubber bullets or rock salt. But uh, you absolutely, when somebody starts looting, you gotta you got to get that under control and uh, and shoot people. You can shoot uh, you know, their legs with rock salt or, um, rubber bullets or whatever. But when the shooting starts, the looting starts, or when the looting starts, the shooting starts, it probably works the other way around as well. But that is how you stop, uh, looting from going on. It's really the only way if you stand back and just try to, uh, you know, appeal to people to stop it, they're not going to, by that point, uh, people are no longer thinking rationally. 
So it looks like, uh, you know, we're, we're going to uh, allow this to go on. The, the governor, oddly enough, in Minnesota and other, other uh, states were perfectly willing to arrest law-abiding business owners for the violation of trying to reopen their business, but they seem totally uninterested in arresting the rioters that are looting and burning down uh, Minneapolis, and now these, this is uh, starting to uh, to take root in other cities, including um, St. Paul and Memphis, and uh, in other cities. I have no doubt that uh, at some point it will come to my former hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, as well. But while we're on the topic of tech tyranny, of course, you probably saw where the president signed an executive order yesterday instructing the Attorney General and the Secretary of Commerce to take a close look at whether or not these social media platforms, and especially Facebook and Twitter, are complying with the terms of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now, this Section 230 gives these social media platforms exemption from liability for anything that's that's published on their platform, and in return for that, they're supposed to operate without uh, an editorial bias. They're not supposed to be a publisher. They're supposed to be a neutral platform that allows the free exchange of information with the exception of, uh, of illegal acts like uh, a child pornography or advocating terrorism or uh, certain things like that. And, of course, they have twisted the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act all out of proportion so that they can pursue their obvious left-wing bias. Here is Trump yesterday uh, at the signing. Currently, social media giants like Twitter receive an unprecedented liability shield based on the theory that they're a neutral platform, which they're not, not an editor with a viewpoint. My executive order calls for new regulations under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to make it that social media companies that engage in censoring or any political conduct will not be able to keep their liability shield. That's a big deal. They have a shield. They can do what they want. They have a shield. They're not going to have that shield. My executive order further instructs the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, to prohibit social media companies from engaging in any deceptive acts or practices affecting commerce. This authority resides in Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act. I think you know it pretty well. Most of you know it very well. I would think you know it quite well, right? Additionally, I'm directing the Attorney General to work cooperatively with the states. He's going to be working very much and very closely in cooperation with the states to enforce their own laws against such deceptive business practices. The states have broad and powerful authority to regulate in this arena, and they'll be doing it also, and we encourage them to do it if they see exactly as we've been seeing. It's uh, what they're doing is... It's tantamount to monopoly, you can say. It's tantamount to uh, taking over the airwaves. Well, we'll stop it there because uh, the Attorney General gives a much clearer explanation for that. Um, uh, the way that they have built up these monopolies with, is with a bait and switch. And uh, here is Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, who is a little more, more articulate in explaining exactly uh, how the Department of Justice 
intends to use this executive order to bring these social media giants back in the line. So this is an important step uh, to get back to the original uh, understanding. You know, there's a bit of a bait and switch that's occurred in our society. These companies grew because they held themselves out as public forums, as free public forums where a variety of voices and diverse voices could come on and be heard. That's how they grew. That's how they attracted the eyeballs. That's why people joined them. But now that they have become these very powerful networks of eyeballs, now that they've grown by holding themselves out as free public forums, they've now switched. And they are using that market power to force particular viewpoints. And that's wrong. And it has to be addressed not only through this executive order, but I think litigation going forward uh, and by further action on Capitol Hill. They are totally in violation of Section 230. They have become publishers. They have become editors. They have, they have become curators. I've got some experience with that myself. At one time, uh, you know, I used to be on Ron Phillips' old radio network, uh, um, Talk America Radio, TAR. Uh, and uh, while he was transitioning to Mojo Five O, I went out and I tried to become a, uh, a video uh, platform posting videos on uh, YouTube and Facebook. And I was having some uh, really good success. I was building an audience and, uh, oddly enough, right about the time I hit 4,000 viewers per video, actually not right about the exact point, at least on Facebook where I hit 4,000, um, I was throttled. I was immediately uh, stomped on my feed was no longer allowed to be accessible unless you went directly to it. You had to type in the actual show name in order to find it. It didn't show up in anybody's feeds. It didn't show up, uh, on any keyword searches. And, uh, after building an audience of 4,000, uh, the, like the very next day I went down to, uh, to below 200 and stayed there to the point where I've, uh, I've gotten off of uh, YouTube and Facebook. I'm going to have to get off Twitter uh, because uh, they too are suppressing this. Uh, I'm looking at other social media platforms to try to migrate to. But, um, you know, with the exception of actual uh, incitement to violence, which again, I say CNN and MSNBC engage in, um, or other Ill- illegal activities like, uh, you know, child pornography or selling drugs. They are not supposed to interfere. And yet that's exactly what they're doing. I've got a sort of a long explainer because there seems to be a lot of um, misconceptions and confusions around this Section 230. Uh, this is a great explainer put together by Prager University, who oddly enough has been uh, banned from YouTube. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you really can't make it up. Uh, what they're saying at Prager University is in no way in violation of the uh, Communications Decency Act. It is just simply uh, something that uh, the uh, editors at YouTube and uh, Facebook don't want you to hear. But here is uh, their, their piece on what exactly is Section 230. YouTube, which is owned by Google, is a private company. Can't they do anything they want? The answer is yes and no. Yes, if they are a publisher. No, if they are a public forum. So what's the difference? This gets right to the nub of the matter. 
a publisher chooses the content that resides on its site. The New York Times is a perfect example. You can't write a story and just expect the New York Times to publish it. The Times chooses what appears on its pages or website. And if they publish a story that contains a malicious lie or violates copyright law, they can be sued. PragerU is also a publisher. It decides what material gets placed on its website. Most sites are publishers. In contrast, a public forum, which can be a physical location like the classic town square or a shopping mall, or a virtual location like a website, is a place that must allow individuals and organizations to exercise their free speech rights. YouTube is an example of a public forum. In fact, YouTube describes itself as a public forum. You make a video, YouTube hosts it, and anyone with an internet connection can watch it. Facebook is also a public forum, and so is Twitter. Here's why this is so important. A public forum under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, a law co-sponsored by Democrats and Republicans and passed by Congress in 1996, is not subject to liability for content placed on its site. If someone posts a video about how to build a bomb or writes a threatening comment, the public forum website cannot be held legally responsible for that content. Well, I got to stop him there. He's he's wrong about that because uh, the Communications Decency Act does provide that they can uh, prevent illegal uh, content on their site, not point of view content. They they are, are prevented or they're uh, barred from that, but they are uh, empowered to prevent illegal activity. That's a good thing. It gives YouTube and other public forums the chance to host a wide variety of material, from nature videos to political diatribes, without fear of being sued. And it worked. And then it didn't. A few years ago, the social media giants, Google, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, started to behave not like public forums, but like publishers. They stopped following Section 230 which specifically requires that these websites promote a true diversity of political discourse and began to judge content by their own political and social criteria. In other words, the social media giants wanted both ways. They want the protections of a public forum and the editorial control of a publisher. We're fine if they're a publisher, and we're fine if they're a public forum. They just can't be both. They can't have the protections of Section 230 against lawsuits and at the same time um, curate and, uh, and suppress points of view with which they disagree. Now, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not just to do away with uh, Section 230 and, uh, and expose these companies to uh, liability. It would destroy their business models. Uh, and I'm, I'm sort of torn about that myself. I think probably um, it, it would be better if we just did away with these uh, these social media platforms uh, and and went back to the old way of allowing people to you know host their own websites and uh, and and give them free access uh, you know to search engines and uh, and and have their own. Now I know people you know like to interact on social media. But certainly uh, the way it's currently being done is not sustainable. If we continue to go down this road, the left, who have established these uh, left-wing bastions at YouTube and, and Facebook and Google and YouTube, 
and Wikipedia and a whole host of others will, in fact, uh, destroy, just crush conservatives. Joe Biden has, uh, has come out against the president's executive order, but it wasn't that long ago that uh, he was all in favor of revoking Section 230 himself. I've never been a fan of Facebook, as you probably know. I've never been a big Zuckerberg fan. I think he's a real problem. And I think, Can you elaborate? You know, I he's, can. Talk, he's talking he with... He knows better. He's talking with uh, the New York Times. And, of course, Biden's problem uh, with Facebook is that he believes that it allows too much uh, conservative content. That's largely the reason that YouTube and Facebook have been responding the way they have is because of this left-wing pressure to suppress conservative voices. But uh, it's not enough for Joe Biden and the left. And, you know, from my perspective, the uh, I've uh, I, I've been in the view that um, not only we should be worrying about the concentration of power, we should be worrying about the lack of privacy and them being exempt, which you're not exempt. You can't write something you're knowing to be false and being exempt from being sued. But he can't. The idea that it's a tech company is that, uh, you know, uh, Section 230 should be revoked immediately. Should be revoked, number one, for Zuckerberg and other platforms. That's a pretty foundational law of the modern That's right. internet. Exactly right. And it should be revoked. It should be revoked. Because it is not merely an internet company. It is propagating falsehoods they know to be false. And we should be set. Well, see there, he, that, that is the, the very nub of the confusion. The left thinks that uh, he's propagating falsehoods. And I know it's falsehoods because I disagree with it. And they should stop it. And, they, and uh, Facebook and, and Twitter and YouTube have responded to this left-wing pressure by by uh, censoring and shadow banning and uh, suppressing conservative views. So, you know, they've got a problem with it because it allows too much conservative views. We have a problem with it because uh, they're responding to this pressure from the left by crushing conservative views. And that's why I say, you know, it, it may it may be better just to, to do away with this protection altogether and, and uh, let them become publishers and and uh, become another one of these left-wing media outlets that you can just totally ignore. I think we really passed the Rubicon on this issue. When YouTube uh, took down uh, these videos put together by doctors who disagreed with the response uh, recommended by the World Health Organization and, and these so-called experts to, uh, to lock down the economy and uh, to... Uh, you know, put forward these projections that millions and millions of people were going to die in the United States as a result of the Wuhan virus. These docs went on with dissenting points of view that have turned out to be entirely correct. And they were removed. Now, they weren't advocating violence. They weren't advocating illegality. They were simply uh, expressing dissenting views and their voices were crushed. That is a violation of everything that we know to be uh, your First Amendment rights. And, oh, Jim, you don't have a First Amendment right. That's a private company. Yeah, well, Section 230 makes it a public forum. And you do have a have a uh, First Amendment right in a public forum, forum. That's why they gave these companies exemptions. 
And their latest, uh, you know, effort is to try to paint um, Republican concerns about these uh, these ballot dumps that uh, the Democrats are calling vote by mail. These cheat by mail schemes uh, by questioning that, um, you know, Twitter is um, is trying to uh, to fact check the president and and put forward left wing um actually disinformation about vote by mail uh, not being uh, subject to fraud. And this is uh, really what has uh, finally, at long last, precipitated this uh, this fight over the social media. Here's uh, Kaylee McInerney on these vote by mail schemes. Um, and I'm going to lay out some of the president's concerns. And in that, I will get to the California example. Um, first, I want to note that there is a Pew study done that shows there's plenty of reason to believe that mass in the mass mail-in system that there is fraud. Uh, they estimated that approximately 24 million, one out of every eight voters registered in the U.S. are no longer valid or are significantly inaccurate. So these are people um, who are on voter registrations that have not been maintained, that have not been kept up. Um, more than 1.8 million have been deceased, they estimated. And then when you look and drill down into some of, some of the examples that we've seen in states, um, Nevada just, I read about this last week and it just really struck me as a perfect example of what the president is concerned about with mail-in ballots and the fraud uh, that can be inherent in that. There were ballots, because um, Nevada mass mailed them out to voter rolls, um, that were piling up in apartment complexes, outside of apartment complexes in Las Vegas, sitting around in trash cans. This is how we're protecting ballots. It's extraordinary. Postal workers, one 36-year-old, 36-year veteran uh, carrier said she's never seen anything like these influx of absentee ballots. Um, all of the people... They're not absentee ballots, Kaylee. They are vote-by-mail schemes. Absentee ballots, you got to go down, register, sign your name, show your ID, and they check your signature um, when you submit it. And make sure that, uh, you know, it originated from the correct address. The, the absentee ballots in these vote-by-mail schemes have nothing to do with each other. People had moved or died when she set out to deliver on her first delivery route. And this happened just recently. You can go read the articles from last week. Um, she found 65 ballots of people who had moved or died on her second carry, 100. Um, and then as the week progressed, thousands just sitting in crates. I mean, this is extraordinary. This is not how we should be protecting U.S. ballots. In South Carolina, uh, Dems, the Democrats sued to force a rush transfer of mail-in voting. And this happened again recently. I think it was last week. And mail Mail-in ballots for South Carolina turned up in Maryland. There's another example of 700 suspicious mail-in ballots in Dallas and an individual charged with second-degree felony illegal voting. And he's accused of visiting a woman in April to collect her blank absentee ballot, filling it out and forging her signature. I mean, this is extraordinary. And then you go on. Um, there's a New Jersey example of over 3,000 ballots that were seemingly set aside. And going to California, you mentioned uh, California is one of those states that's notorious for ballots 
ballot harvesting. Um, and in 2018, the registrar in Orange County said that they reported uh, that his office had people dropping off maybe 100 or 200 ballots at a time. And somehow in L.A. County, 112 percent of L.A. County is registered to vote. So the problem is this. When you don't clean uh, your register and you send out your entire register, auto send out these ballots, they end up in trash cans like in Nevada. They are subject to fraud. And that is extremely well, they end up in trash cans. Uh, the the uh, people in charge of the elections uh, determine, you know, where the uh, ballots are going to be mailed and which ballots are going to be accepted and which ballots are going to be examined. It is an absolute recipe for voter fraud, just like uh, the Democrats opposition to voter ID is a recipe for fraud. And they know it. That's why they they like it. They absolutely love it. Fox News, very own resident uh, Democrat and leftist Donna Brazil was on the five. I think it was the day before yesterday. And the misinformation that you put out, the president tweet should have been deleted. I would. She's talking about the president's tweet about the voter fraud, mail-in voter fraud. Deleted the president's tweet, and you know why? Because it's a bald-faced lie. It's Republicans who use absentee ballots to get out their votes. That has traditionally been the way the Republicans have always motivated their voters. Go ahead and vote early. So I. Democrats and Republicans both do that um, with the absentee ballots, and he, she's right. Some uh, fraud already exists with these mail-in ballots. It's not. On the Republican side, largely, it's on the Democrat side. But we'll get back to this clip of Donna Brazil saying it's a you don't have a First Amendment right to lie. And the president should be just deleted from Twitter. I think that the social media platform companies should regulate themselves and they should make sure that these conspiracy theories, the one the president put out about Joe Scarborough, it should be deleted. The lies need to stop. There's no. Well, how about Joe Scarborough on social media and on MSNBC day after day saying President Trump is responsible for 100,000 deaths in this country? First Amendment right to lie, period. Well, what'd you say there? Need to stop. There's no First Amendment right to lie. There's no First Amendment right to lie. And oh, by the way, I'm the one that's going to determine whether or not you're lying. (laughs) That uh, struck Dana uh, Perino's ear kind of clanged off of it. Period. You can't lie. Okay. And with that, right. we will move well, on. Actually, you can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> there's a right. Yeah. You can. There's, there's a right. no you can First lie. Amendment right to lie. There's yeah. no First Amendment okay. right to lie. You just yeah, it, you lie. have a First Amendment right to say what you want. And then if it's a lie, then you're subject to, uh, to consequences from that. But you certainly have a First Amendment right to lie. But I can say I'm six feet tall. Are you going to get me arrested for saying I'm six feet tall, Donna? <laughs> no, but I would. But I would pull All your right, phone well, because I'm sure. What would happen to politicians, Donna? If, if 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 you couldn't lie, you'd have no politics. If there were no First Amendment right to lie, Donna Brazil would not be on Fox News. She's the one that famously sent um, debate questions to Hillary Clinton when she was employed over at CNN. She lied about that. The Democrats' very existence is built on lies. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow for another edition right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then.
This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.